This radio program is PG-13. Parents strongly caution some material may be inappropriate for children under the age of 13. Send me Jesus' mission was to comfort those who mourn, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to captives, and open prison doors for those who are bound. For those who want more than status quo Christianity has to offer, Blazing Grace Radio begins now. And here is your host, Mike Janung. Hey, Mike Janung here, and welcome back to Blazing Grace Radio, and glad to have you along. In the early church, was devoted to Prayer, fellowship, and the teaching of the Word. They met often. They met in their homes. In James 5.16, we're told, Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And if you look at the New Testament, they were always sent out on their missionary journeys in twos. There were no isolated believers. Christians were not meant to walk alone and When I go and speak, I'll sometimes ask the audience to raise their hand if they meet with another brother or sister once a week for the purpose of prayer, encouragement, accountability, and support. And usually, only 15 to 20 percent raise their hands. I was in one church recently where the pastor quoted a survey that said that 90 percent of American Christians were isolated. So today we're going to be talking about the need for community and especially in the context of breaking free from any form of porn, sex addiction, or sexual sin, the the desperate need for a group. This is a non-negotiable. Men and women, you cannot break free on your own. You cannot break free in isolation. Isolation feeds lust. So today I welcome Bo and I welcome Gene. These are two guys that are leading a group here locally in Chandler, Arizona. They just started it up. And so, guys, welcome. Hi. Thank Thanks, you, Mike. Glad to be here. So, Bill, I'm going to start with you and just have you share a bit about your story. Okay. Thanks. Yeah, good to be here. Appreciate the time. Um, my name's Bo, and my story begins uh, about 40 years ago when I was about 10, 10 to, 10 to 11 years old, when I just happened upon uh, in my dad's closet, his box of pornography. And I was at an age where I didn't really know what that was, but I knew that you know, it, was, it was interesting and attractive to me. So I would uh, sneak away at times to uh, browse through, through the magazines and some of the books that he had. Um, and that kind of led into my uh, teenage years, where I would de- I developed a uh, you know fantasy life or fantasy thought life, and would uh, um, think about those images, maybe get those images, and uh, discovered you know how I could uh, satisfy some of those sexual lusts on my own, and it was such that I didn't even really develop a, really a need for companionship with uh, the opposite sex, girlfriend or anything like that. I never really 
had a, a, a real need to uh, have a, any sort of romantic relationship, even though I was very lustful of, of, of girls at that time. I just never really felt need to bond. And that lasted all through high school and, uh, you know, had a uh, uh, few relationships and, and as well through college. But the, uh, the lusts were always there. And uh, when I was in, in college, I would have relationships, but not really any emotional connection. It was just a physical kind of a relationship. And I was always just trying to uh, replace uh, these images with uh, physical, the physical relationships. Um, so I never really learned how to form a good, solid relationship with, uh, with females, with girls. Um, I did meet, after graduation, I did meet a wonderful Christian uh, young lady and fell in love. And all of this baggage that I had for the previous 10 years or so, I just kept to myself. That was something that I never talked to anybody about. And it goes to that isolation idea of just keeping those, keeping that thought life to myself. And so uh, I got married and got very active in in the church. She, my my wife, w- was and is a, a very strong Christian. And I was always I grew up in the church and never had a real strong walk with Christ, but always believed and put my faith in Him. But getting married, I really did get active in the church. And I tried to kind of push away these lustful thoughts and lustful life. Um, But it was always in the background, and it was always very private. That leads us to another maybe 20 years later when, in a different phase of life, I started down the path of acting out in a much more – uh, significant way. Uh, it started out uh, as I was in my in my forties, about ten years ago, and started going to uh, massage parlors that were totally legit massage parlors, not anything. But it it got me, it kind of broke the ice from the standpoint of um, being nude around a woman that wasn't my wife under you know under covers, but uh, being touched and being massaged all over by women. And that got me to the next stage of actual uh, adultery and go into massage parlors where there's more than just a massage and then um, into the world of escorts. And so uh, I, as long as I had money that I could keep hidden – I would spend it on time with escorts, which then led to actually create, falling into a relationship with somebody in that industry. And so uh, I had an, uh, basically had an a f- affair with this person and is trying to be kept keeping it as secret as possible. Um, I eventually got to a point where the lies, the deceit, the second life all just was too much for me to handle. And I pretty much confessed to my wife at the time what I had been doing secretly. Mm-hmm. And um, it obviously was very devastating. You did it on your own? 
I without getting caught. I no. There had been several instances of confession, but not to how deep it was. So yes, I had been caught. Uh, uh, evidence of spending money, evidence of uh, deceit, and um, I would always, you know, try to talk past it and then just say, "Oh, it's you know, it's no big deal. I'm not doing this all the time." And my wife was devastated, and in fact, she's told me that what she is the most devastated by is just the deceit and lies, mm-hmm. more than the physical sexual acts outside of marriage. Because that's where her trust was just completely erased. So, but at at a certain point, I uh, it the the weight of all of the deception was too much, and I was ready to either leave my marriage for this other person or leave that other person and stick with my marriage. And the Lord, at that point in that pit, uh, the Lord let me choose Him. And I did. And so at that point, I was able to do the things that I knew in my head I should be doing, but I actually did, finally. Complete cut, completely cut off any relationship with this uh, other person and go full transparency mode and, uh, and then embrace and make restitution to many of the people who I had just been lying to. You know, I was in a uh, celebrate recovery ministry um, who I had been lying to. I had a therapist who I had been lying to, and my wife, of course, I had been lying to. And so at that point, I turned my act around. I didn't know how this was going to look from a standpoint of how I would, you know, would I have a marriage left? Would I have a family left? Uh, but I, I was like, at this point, the pain was too much, the weight was too much to to try to continue in that in that uh, that dual lifestyle, and so uh, I embraced what God really wanted me to embrace and what I knew I should embrace, but I had not for many years. So at that point, I consider myself on the road to grace, I guess, like you title your book, but the sobriety from uh, sex outside of marriage. Has been, I've 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 been sober in that area, um, and I still struggle though with lust. I mean, it's it's a it's a daily struggle, and that's that's what's brought me to um, to the ministry that that Gene and I are in, uh, being encouraging uh, accountability partners to each other, mm-hmm. and uh, give ourselves uh, you know tough talk when we need it but complete honesty with each other. And that's why our, we've started this ministry to help other men have that place to come to to do that as well. I think there's a lot of great tools, and I've used a lot of those tools uh, to maintain this sobriety. Um, like I said, Celebrate Recovery, I think, is a good, a good ministry that is, is great. It was really good for me. Um, and, you know, individual counseling has also been real powerful. Um, but the trust, it does not come back quick at all. I mean, um, it's been seven, about seven years right now since that day of of setting my, you know, of letting the Lord set me free from the uh, 
from that that duplicitous lifestyle. And my wife will say that she does trust me again, but she still has PTSD type uh, um, events every once in a while. We have since moved. We were this was all in uh, in in Atlanta, Georgia, where all this was occurring. We've since moved here to Phoenix area, and that was helpful, you know, to kind of get some of the triggers out of the daily life from her perspective, and also some of the temptations out of my life. And so, um, uh, but that trust, yeah, I mean, for for several years there was significant. And again, I say PTSD because it was. I mean, she would uh, she would have physical anxiety attacks almost from things she would see or think or something I might do. And so, um, so I appreciate uh, your ministry and the material that you've put together. And I'm getting so much out of studying uh, this. The, the initial uh, study that we're going through is the Road to Grace. And uh, um, it, it hits so close to home on so many fronts. And I just want to say thank you to you, Mike, and thank you to Gene to be uh, people who can, uh, you know, be there for me and for, for other men who are struggling in, uh, in this similar fashion. Well, thanks for your honesty and a couple questions. Sure thing. <clears throat> you said that um, you found your first exposure to porn was from your dad's box. Was he a believer? My I grew up in the church. My my dad was a, a believer, yes, and uh, so yeah, he was he was a believer and he loved Jesus. But our family, you know, we were churchgoers more than than um, than it being lived out every single day. Hmm. Well, I asked that question just because some listeners just to help our listeners understand that. Um, this is a problem at all age levels and grandfathers and fathers and yes. teenagers. So, And another question is you talked about keeping your thought life to yourself and trying to suppress the thoughts. Yes. So how do you deal with those today when they hit? So today, I mean, again, the lust is still, lust is still there and I still see uh, images or uh, see somebody and – I've tried a lot of things, but you know, one thing that um, that I've just started that has been very helpful is just the last chapter that we've studied in your book, actually, the turn and connect concept. Because there was a few, there was even a few examples you had shared in that chapter about how you know there's there's some good things to do, and I've tried these as well. You know, ignoring it, focus on scripture, uh, telling the devil to leave. And and then calling somebody. Those are things that I have tried as well. And I think those are, are very useful. But I have I have started this whole concept of letting you know, turning away from from what this is. And the in fact just recently I saw an image that started having creating some lustful thoughts in my head and I immediately was like, Okay, this is going down the wrong path. Let me turn away from this. And and I've I've really have embraced that concept, and it's it's been very powerful. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate the way you've put that together and describe it in the in your book because um, I think that individually there's there's lots of little one d two z things that we can try, 
but combining it together, turning away and focusing on on the Lord. And, and, and I also appreciate how I bring my wife into that equation and say, God, you've given me this wonderful wife who's very forgiving, and to bring her into my thought life at that time. Mm. And so um, with COVID, over the last year and a half, I've worked from home. I haven't been out in, in the hustle and bustle of Phoenix very much. Um, so I haven't really seen other women very much at all, you know, other than just in, you know, uh, church settings almost. And so, um, so it's more of a uh, visual from um, television, YouTube, uh, magazine type of things. Just, and it's not pornography. It's just pretty women of pretty face or something. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Bo. And so, Gene, you're up. All right. Well, thank you, Mike. It's uh, really good to be here. And um, like a lot of men out there, uh, I was introduced to pornography at age five uh, by, of all people, my mother and my brother. And I look back even before that. My mom grew up in a dysfunctional family with 10 kids and her father sexually molested most of her and her sisters. And it just goes way back. And so I did that and through high school I did it and I wasn't a Christian. My parents went to church but they did not live a Christian life. So I didn't want anything to do with it. But I always believed in God and I believed Jesus who he said he was. But I didn't live it. It wasn't Lord of my life. And then you go to college and all the guys, that's what we did, you know, you uh, just to live this sexually immoral lifestyle. I was, I didn't know it, but I was trying to fill that hole inside of me. And it just, I kept trying to fill it. And it just got to the point where um, there had to be a different way of life. And um a couple events happened in my life that caused me to come to Christ. One, my friend's parents, there was love and peace and compassion. It was just something real about them that just made me believe there was a personal God, and I wanted that. And then another thing happened. Um, I was a street fighter. I grew up on the streets a lot, and I'd get in a fight once a week, and I didn't care. I was just so angry, but... I got in a fight with this young man in Huntington Beach, California, on Pacific Coast Highway, and I beat him up, and he's uh, laying there in the dirt bleeding, and he bleeds on me, so I'm going to beat him up again. And he looked at me, and he said, you know what? God loves you so much. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you, and he shed his blood for you. So if he loves you that much, I do too. So go ahead and beat me right now till I bleed to death, but I love you. I was blown away, and I I just walked away. I couldn't say anything. I mean, what do you do? So it took a couple years, but I finally, one night, September, downtown East L.A., uh, about one in the morning, I gave my heart to Christ, and my life changed. I I quit fighting and beating people up and getting beat up, and I really changed, and um the one thing I didn't give up was my my porn addiction, and I didn't realize it was a predict, uh, an addiction. It's just someplace I went to in times of stress or loneliness, and I always had plenty of girlfriends and friends, and I was popular, but 
I just got tired of living that way. So God changed my life. So I got married and I thought, okay, I don't have to deal with this anymore. But that cropped back up. Um, and I still did admit I had an addiction to pornography. But um, one thing I've learned, pornography, it will escalate. And it did with me. And just like Bo had mentioned, it went from looking to doing with whomever, whenever I could. And for a while, I was celibate, so to speak, uh, sexually pure, but that lasted a brief period of time. And so basically, I ruined my first marriage and that and some other reasons. And it ended in divorce. I had two great kids out of it, but they were affected by it. So I lived a single lifestyle. Um, Well, I was single for 15 years, and I walked away from God. I tore my Bible in half and said, I don't want anything to do with God or the church, but you know how God is. He hunted me down, and one night I went back to church, and it was a message on the prodigal son. But again, uh, I started walking with the Lord, and but I would still resort to viewing pornography. I wasn't acting out more than that, but um, I ended up, uh, I got married again in 2006, and to the love of my life, uh, the greatest woman I've ever met, and it cropped up again because I had never really dealt with those core issues, admitting I was powerless, and it finally... Uh, you know, I tried the twelve-step program, and that helped, but it 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 ran its course, and I was still struggling. And um, my wife pretty much had reason to divorce me biblically. And at that time, I realized uh, my marriage was over again, and I decided I, I need to get help. I need to get healing for me. But she did choose to stay with me. There were some conditions. Um, I had to show her I was serious about about this, and it was a problem. And we both got involved in a um, a ministry in Pasadena, California, and it really was the beginning of me getting healing. And it also brought her into it too. It was um, for wives that had been betrayed, and. Um, just so many tools, as uh, Bo had mentioned, um, these are just tools, but not being isolated. And when I really decided to get serious, you know, what did I love more? Did I love the Lord more? Did I love my wife more? Or did I like my secret sexual sin? And I wanted to change. And Blazing Grace is a, it's where I am now. Um, and I like what Bo said because for me, I just asked God, create in me a clean heart, God. Just, I, I wanted that and I just pursued God hard. And um, using a lot of the tools that Bo mentioned, uh, the turn and connect has been a great one for me. And there's so many good tools, but staying out of isolation and just pursuing this, it's a journey, but. My wife uh, trusts me again. We have a great marriage, uh, incredible intimacy physically, emotionally, spiritually that I didn't even know existed. And 
there's hope for anybody out there that's struggling in this. There really is hope and freedom. Well, thanks, guys. And we got about a minute left. Gene, why is it critical to stay out of isolation? Well, I've learned that just uh, that's a breeding ground for lust. Um, in tough times, I'm by myself. I start listening to lies, and it's just a breeding ground for lust. So you you can't do it by yourself. Impossible. Mm-hmm. You can't. Well, thank you guys. You're both warriors for being willing to put it out there and put your stories out there and to start a group. We need more men like you who are willing to do that and take that step in the church. So if you're listening, what he's talking about or what they're talking about with Turn and Connect is in Chapter 5 of my book of The Road to Grace, available at blazinggrace.org. Thank you for joining us this week. And if you are struggling with this stuff, please don't play these games with it. You've got to reach out and get help. You will not get better on your own. So thank you, and we'll see you next time. Do you want to be free? Blazing Grace is a nonprofit international ministry for the sexually broken and the spouse. Please visit us at blazinggrace.org for information on Mike Janung's books, groups, counseling, or to have Mike speak at your organization. You can email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call our office in Chandler, Arizona at 719-888-5144. Again, visit us at blazinggrace.org. Email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call the office at 719-888-5144.